You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. Not only is it my birthday, it's our second season premiere. Hey. I know that sounds confusing. It's the second premiere for the same season that we had the season premiere for last week. We're doing a two-part season premiere. You know, if it's confusing, that's your problem. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Things are a little tense in America. <laughs> but uh, don't worry. We've got a great show to get us through it all. Number one, I've got an update on the card counter. Nice. Number two, WCU. <laughs> it has started. It's dope. Shit's percolating. Sean Deeb is back in the mix. Number three, Sean Deeb. He is on the show. We're going to talk to him about getting all greased up and sliding across the floor of his house <laughs> like a curly puck. But we're also going to talk to him about WCOOP. I love and... the way you had those that way around. Like, obviously, the yes. primary editorial focus is WCOOP, but let's lead with the clickbait. I know what is most important to me, and that is talking to him about being a greased-up seal, uh, amusing all of his children. Yes, of course, W. Coop, if we have to. Uh, also, I'm going to give him a grammar quiz. Oh, Lol. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, super fan. I'm going to need you to give me a retainer. Retainer. Can I get a double burger? That's right. Goodwill hunting is the subject, and super fan is Hero Doctor, Sam Phillips. I don't know if he's seen my Twitter. I'm kind of a hero, too, with some of my retweets. <laughs> Did you know that you can do more than 140 characters now? Mind blown. Oh, is that a new discovery for you? Some people, yeah, well, by the way, know. some people still think it's cheating if you use 280, if you go over the really? original 140 limit. Yeah. There are, like, Twitter purists who just, like, yeah. refuse to... Like, like the Amish. They're just like, we refuse to acknowledge <laughs> electricity. We refuse to acknowledge 280 characters. Um, just wanted to talk a little bit about some stuff I've been watching. Didn't mention this last time because we did too much. Perry Mason. Did I mention this? Did I talk about you this? You didn't. So this is the old TV show with Raymond Burr as the guy in a wheelchair, right? Which has been rebooted. Um, yes. I know it's got Matthew Reese, who I'm a yes. big fan of. Loved yes. him in The Americans. Have they done it as a period piece? Yes. Nice. So my friend Christine, who is a writer, is friends with some of the, the folks who are like developing the show. She pitched them that they should do it in a different era every season, that it should be a period piece, but they just reboot it season after season. Well, that's I an don't, interesting concept. It is interesting. I don't think they're going to go with that, but I'll say this. The period aspect of it, it's a lot of the folks who are behind Boardwalk. So they really just transport you. And I would say that the plot of it isn't particularly like doesn't reinvent anything. Right. It's not like a mind blowingly good mystery, but the characters are great. The writing is great. It is just a really fun ride that I was really sad when it was over. And uh, Matthew Reese, incredible. And uh, John Lithgow is in it as well. Ooh. Both of them. Fantastic. Uh, taking its place on Sunday nights is Lovecraft country. Yes. And... So this is an HBO show, I believe. Yes. So that'll yes. be on Sky Atlantic in the UK. That means it'll probably be available on demand. I'll have to add it to the list. 
Yeah, I love it's very fun. It's uh, I don't know if you're anything like me, James, but when I watch when I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling and I used to get really viscerally into it, watching the bad guys get beat up and watching the good guys win. And now I feel that way when I watch uh, shows about racism. Right. Right. When I see like racism is just get races getting put in their place. Like it really it gets me feeling like I yeah. used to back when I watch wrestling. Yeah. I'm going to say your much. experience of watching wrestling as a kid is probably very different to mine. Wrestling when I was growing up was Big Daddy fighting giant haystacks. It wasn't really the same as the kind of stuff you're talking about. That was that was in England. Yeah, that was ITV wrestling on a Saturday afternoon. That's, I mean, look, in the early days of wrestling, I think it was probably, you know, not super, you know, there wasn't like a lot of depth to the story. And there probably isn't still to this day, but, you know, the good versus evil aspect of it. And so Lovecraft Country is basically like Green Book, right? It's like this period racism, like, man, is it tough right. for black people in the 1950s in America? But also with like ghosts and vampires and, and the occult. It's a really interesting mix. Very, very fun. Uh, I finally watched the movie The Guest. I don't know if you remember when that came out no. a bunch of years ago. Kind of a, like a B movie. Really fun movie. And I did I did watch something cultured, James. I watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Okay. And what do you think of that? Uh, it was decent. It was pretty good. I will say my girlfriend, not me. That's 100% true. My girlfriend was very disappointed at how little gratuitous sex there was. <laughs> she was... She was looking for more of like uh, blue is the warmest color. Do right. not watch this if you're just looking for the lesbian aspect for the titillation. Doesn't exist. And finally, yeah. Do you have anything that you want to, before I get to the card? No, counter, no. Oh, the, I, I want to hear about the card counter more than anything else. Okay. So, honored. Paul Schrader emailed me. He said, I'm doing a bunch of online screenings. Uh, I would like you to watch it. Um, oh no! That, whoa, 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 whoa! So basically, you basically come out blasting with Perry Mason. Like anyone can watch that. You got an exclusive sneak peek at Paul Schrader's card counter. I did. It was pretty cool. I was definitely uh, honored that he asked me to watch. Uh, he asked me and someone else who plays. Sorry, I've got, our, I've got a couple of quick nerd questions. Yeah. I mean, Please. what what state is it in? Is it assembly cut? Is it rough cut? Is there a temp score? Does it still have like scene missing slates? It is a, an assembly cut. Um, no scenes missing. A little bit of CGI missing, just because they're like gonna they're gonna like computer change the outside of a few buildings, you know, to represent. You know, they shot it mostly in the state of Mississippi, so it's supposed to take place in various states across the union. So there was just a little bit of that missing. There was no score yet. Right. Uh, there was like a little bit of borrowed music, a little bit okay. of score here and there. Uh, we watched it in the so this, setting. This so probably sounds close to a rough cut than an assembly cut. It sounds like. Sorry, yes, rough yeah. cut. Yeah. Um, but there were no placeholders, no nothing. And uh, the, so the whole movie was there. And he showed it to us on this thing, uh, something cast, you know, something not too dissimilar from what we use, James, to do the, the WCOOP stuff. And, but he makes it so that he can see your face the entire time. Wow. So, so no hiding, no hiding. Yeah. He's watching you watch his movie. Okay. Um, and I will say that at the end, he did ask for any notes and, and do, you're like, holy fuck, I'm this guy. 
Paul Schrader is asking me to give him notes on his movie. Um, I had very few because I will say I really, really liked it. I, I, I think it's an excellent movie. I think that it has a lot of interesting things to say. It came to life on screen in ways that I couldn't have pictured it in the script and or when we were on set. I was having a very difficult time visualizing what this movie would end up looking like in the end. Uh, I I think it's going to do very well. Just to recap, uh, by the way, Joe, because we haven't yeah. really set the scene here, okay? And anyone who's oh, new to the podcast sure. who kind of maybe missed a few episodes, this is a movie which features the game of poker. I don't think it's necessarily fair to describe it as a poker movie, but you served as the poker consultant, so you were on set to make sure they didn't make any howling errors when it yes. came to filming the poker scenes. Yes, and um, so... I think that it could have been a poker movie, depending on how Paul's vision was sort of brought to life. And what ended up happening was there isn't a whole lot of like detailed hands in it, um, which I'm really happy about because I think that sometimes I don't know if you watch someone is like reposting that clip of Scotty Wynn from that movie, The Big Blind. Yeah, yeah. And the, like the the details of that hand, it's just it it actually takes away from whatever story you're trying to tell when you show a hand uh, sometimes that close. So the poker uh, is now not as detailed as you would see in that movie, which I think is a good thing, because every time you do something like that, it gives you more room to sort of not get it quite right. So as far as the poker is concerned, there's like a couple things that like my back went up a little bit where I was like, ah, this is like a little bit off. Um, but you know, that was in dialogue. That was, you know, like a character's dialogue. And what I did was the other people who were in my screening, one of them, um, was in our quarantine poker stars home game. And I said to her, Hey, was there anything as you, a poker fan, as you as like a pretty average poker consumer who watches our TV shows, who is, right. you know, who knows who all the players are. Was there anything about that movie that seemed off to you poker wise? Because if so, if so, tell me and I will try to relay that to Paul and see if we can't fix it. And she said, no. Well, that's good. And, that's yeah. good. Because if I think, Joe, about the movies that we've discussed over the years of this podcast and the egregious stuff, which I guess has tilted us you know, the the soft play in movies like Lucky You and Deal, uh, the stupid hands in Casino Royale. There's nothing like that. There is nothing like that. Well, There's that's actually good. nothing like that. There's like a couple of scenes. Basically, if I can be honest, I spent a lot of time working with Oscar um, and going over pretty much all of his lines of dialogue because I had a few hours this with him. This is Oscar Isaac, by the way. Yes. We're, we're just using first names now, are Sorry. we? I don't know if it's like it's be- either way I slice it. It's horrible, right? Like if I say Oscar Isaac that I'm name dropping. No, no, no. It's far worse to just use his first name and make it sound like everyone else should know who you're talking about. <laughs> okay, fine. I spent a lot of time working with Oscar Isaac. I did not spend much time at all. In fact, I think I had about 30 seconds with Tiffany. Tiffany Haddish. Thank you. So, <laughs> so there's a couple conversations between them where Tiffany says some things where I'm like, oh, I wish I had had an opportunity to sort of explain what it is that she's talking about. Because um, I think that sometimes if if you know what the thing is, it's easier to deliver the lines, right? So yep. there's like there's like one or two scenes where 
or they're talking. I'm like, oh, I wish I had a little bit more time with Tiffany. But as far as the poker itself, I didn't see a single thing uh, that bothered me that didn't work. That was like, you know, just straight up a fabrication, uh, you know, like someone tipping a tournament chip in Casino Royale. And again, to reiterate, none of that matters. Right. Because the story is what the story is. And poker is just like the vehicle. Casinos are the vehicle. And the story is fucking solid. Like, really, really strong. Very powerful. And if, and m- let's leave rounders out of it, right? Or any other poker. But, like, a better ending than any poker movie I've seen in a, in a really long time. Okay. I mean, obviously, I look forward to seeing it. I'm sure many people listening to this podcast feel the same way. I don't want to put you on the spot here, Joe. It may be that you don't know the answer. It may be that you have inside information that you can't divulge. Is there a distribution plan? Do you any idea when people might be able to see it and where they'll be able to see it? So the movie's sold. So there is, you know, distribution exists. It's sold in America. It's sold before it was even finished, which is pretty incredible. It's sold in America and it's sold, I think, in at least 20 countries around the world. Um, I'm hoping that there will be a way that we can do something special for poker fans as far as distribution is concerned. Um, that's a little ways off. I know that at least the last I heard that this movie will not be released in 2020. Uh, so we've got a little bit of time. And if we have any updates between now and then, anything I actually can share, obviously we are desperate for content on this show right now. <laughs> so I will I will bring you guys whatever news I can uh, as soon as I can. You say that. We are absolutely fine for content right now because we are a few days into the 2020 edition of the World Championship of Online Poker. WCOOP now underway. Uh, we kind of teased it on last week's podcast. Now we are in the thick of doing our daily live streams. I uh, got off to a little bit of a bumpy start. Had some tech issues where we thought we wouldn't be able to show the event we wanted to show. Then they got resolved at like the 13th hour so into the broadcast we were able to do a quick sideways turn and and follow that 10k sunday slam event uh then of course we had the pko event last night joe uh, more streams to come we have seen both connor drynan and sean deeb come close to winning wcoop titles at the point of recording we have streamed two events <laughs> 27 tournaments have actually been played. Less than a week into the series, we're already looking at $12 million in total prize money. And it's just going to get bigger as the days and weeks go on. And that's the thing that I have to keep reminding myself is we can only focus on a very small part of it, right? We're covering one thing per night when actually there's like dozens of other things going on in the background. Didn't you say that 12 tournaments started yesterday? 17 concluded yesterday. (laughs) I mean, you're talking about 225 tournaments in total when you factor in the high, medium, and low buy-ins. And that's over a three-week period. So clearly this is going to be intense. And okay, we can cover stuff on the live stream. The guys can do the final table replays on Twitch the next day. But you can still only cover a small fraction of what's actually going on. And one person I just want to shout out, and actually we're going to have him on tonight's live stream as a guest. Of course, you'll have already seen him by the time you hear this podcast. And that's Howard Swains from the PokerStars blog, who is doing the daily updates. And if you want to immerse yourselves in the world of WCOOP and give yourself a, a, a 
an overview of everything that's happening in the series. Just They're so easy to read. They just provide the top-line info, and it's a really good way of just keeping yourself up to date with everything that's happening in this series, which we have said time and time again has so much prestige, so much history, goes back almost to the, the dawn of PokerStars, and yeah. it's something that I'm really excited to be actually covering on a live stream because we've never been able to do it before. Um, so, Sean Deeb, I mentioned just now that Sean came close to winning a PLO 8 title last night. Um, we are going to hear from Sean Deeb on this podcast. A couple of important notes. We actually recorded this interview last week before the series started. No chance we are going to be able to talk to this guy in the middle of a, of a tournament where 17 tournaments are concluding and 12 are starting every day. Exactly. And the other important caveat before we get into this is that Sean is currently in Mexico and has the worst internet connection ever seriously i don't know how he's able to play multiple online events but with that forewarning here is our interview with sean deep poker in the ears thrilled to finally welcome to the poker in the ears podcast the legend himself the man who for many years we always thought was Mr. W. Coop, but in fact, his name is Mr. Sean Deeb. Uh, greetings, Sean. Hey, guys. Uh, happy to be here. You know, another year, another W. Coop, another, you know, birthday missed for my son. <laughs> <laughs> missed the first one, the very, very first one. How many of you actually been there for? Because you you haven't played every single W. Cooper, have you? I think I've been home for one of them. Um, I don't know what happened, why I didn't leave. But yeah, you know, sometimes my wife, she dictates my travel schedule and my work schedule 100%. And this year she was like, just get, you got to get back out there. We got, we got to put some food on the table. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was uh, an interesting, obviously with COVID, everything was very interesting. I didn't play poker for four and a half months, you know, at all. And then I went to New Jersey to play the WSOP stuff and went home. I was planning on coming to somewhere to play. I stayed home for three weeks and then I decided you know, maybe I should go play the GG main. And then I see the, uh, the W Coop schedule and I'm like, all right, this will be my thing. I'll leave for, you know, five weeks and we'll see how it goes. I'm guessing at one point you must have thought, is it going to be possible? It, purely from a logistics point of view, I think you even put the question out there on Twitter, right? Has anyone actually managed to get out of America into another country? Yeah, you know, there was that fear. And um, unlike some counterparts, you know, I still feel wrong about VPNing. As much as I understand why it's a necessary evil, I try not to do it. I know PokerStars is one of the strikes that's really strict on that. So it wouldn't have worked for PokerStars anyway. But uh, yeah, so I was like looking around and I knew wherever I went was going to be a game time decision. So when I first decided to leave, my original plan was to go to the UK and stay with uh, Andrew Tang, who I travel with and play with a lot. And uh, we were looking at a place in London and they're really were no good places to rent. So that we were looking over the whole continent of whatever, the whole islands of the UK, <laughs> and there was nothing really good for us. So uh, then I decided to go to my usual stop in Canada and communicate with them, book the flight, and you know basically try to coax the uh, travel uh, check-in lady to let me on, even though I didn't have the proper paperwork. So like people are definitely going to Canada, uh, not necessarily poker players, but I have had a few people message me about non-essential workers going there to work for very you know entertainment based jobs and getting through so i tried i submitted the documents and never got a response yes or no and 
I just had to go somewhere. So I messaged uh, Chris Conrad, who mentioned he was in Playa del Carmen and crashed, ended up like flying here that day and crashing on a couch for two days and then getting my own place. I love it. So you can't go in one direction. So you end up going in the other. And I mean, how many years has it been since you've actually been down to Mexico? Uh, yeah, we've been realizing that uh, it's been seven years since I've been here. Um, it's really crazy that it's been so long. Um, it's awesome. You know, when I got back to Playa del Carmen, there's like about 15 guys from when I first was here who are still here or coming back, you know, and then a whole lot of other people I know in poker who are down here who I didn't even realize. So, uh, so far I've gone out a bunch, hung out, you know, 20, 30 different kids and it's still a crazy little poker paradise down here. Sean, when it comes to all the hoops you've jumped through to get to Mexico for WCOOP. If you could sort of rank or give percentages, how, how much of it was boredom and needing to get away? How much of it was needing to make some money and to, you know, to do your job? And how much of it is wanting to protect your WCOOP legacy? Um, definitely my legacy got hurt a little bit. I think it was actually last year that I didn't play and Connor like went on that sick run. And you know, it definitely bothered me to have him, someone win more events in one series than I ever won. Um, and passed me, I think, in the overall leaderboard. And obviously boredom, you know, playing in Jersey kind of wet the whistle. Um, saw how Ashley could handle being home. You know, a huge reason that I was willing to come here was schools are supposed to be opening up in a couple weeks. So then Ashley will get a break, you know, with both kids being in preschool and first grade. So I don't feel so bad that she has to be with them 24-7. And obviously with the lack of, you know, we're not as aggressively quarantining anymore. We're visiting her family, my family, and other friends and young kids that socially she's getting, you know, some adult time. She's getting a break from the kids. She's has someone else watching them. So I feel way more confident, you know, leaving, knowing that there's that support system, knowing that she has friends staying over when she doesn't want to be alone and stuff like that. Uh, now, I do want to talk about your success in WCOOP, Sean. You're obviously a, a fantastic poker player, right? It's undeniable. I've done tons of commentary on you, cash games, tournaments. But what is it about WCOOP specifically that you just show up and win tournaments? What do you attribute that to? I mean, you look at my titles. I, I don't think I've won a w Coop that was no limit in ever. Maybe I don't. I'm trying to think back to the earlier ones. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually won a no limit holdem one. So it kind of shows that I'm a great overall poker player. I'm not that great in no limit, but obviously the no limit has way bigger fields and they're way tougher to win. So I love that this is you know besides the World Series, Scoop W Coop are the only times to play mixed game tournaments. So even if I'm playing against better than me at stud eight with my tournament background as well, I know I have the biggest edge and biggest ROI in these tournaments. And you know I'm always willing to make side bets and unfortunately can never get any action down. How important is it to you to finally take down a no limit W Coop? It's not important. I I I know that it's just variance. I know that these guys are so much better than me. Um, they're so much more refined than me and the new game is just like so tight that I just like to spew. I mean, you've seen me in enough cash games. I don't like to fold. I don't like to let people meet, have the perception of being run over. I have one of the biggest egos in poker when it comes to, you know, people playing back at me and yeah. So, uh, I know that I will never be that profitable if even I'm profitable right now on the no limit tournaments, but I'll donate a little bit to them because they give enough equity back in the mixed tournaments. I mean, if we look at the ranking of WCOOP titles, I think you sit second overall with eight WCOOPs behind only one player who really is only there because Adrenaline 710 won five 
WCUP titles in a single series, which was back in 2018. But hey, one this year, you're tied. Two this year, you're back on top. Yeah, you know, Dennis is a great great player um definitely one of those guys who has that tournament mixed game background like he's top three or top five of you know number one competition in every event he's uh very tough to play against you know very quiet very calculated and he's a grinder and that's what these series really show is who can show it up every day like when you're playing 12 15 tournaments of low medium high different games some you've never fortitude that it takes to be a poker pro and i think there's so many great players who choose not to do the full grind because they know it will just beat the shit out of them and they can't handle it <laughs> i mean can you remember back to when you won your first wcube title can you remember what year that was uh i don't remember the year but i love the story behind that one okay so I can tell you what year it was. It was 2008. I was traveling around with Adam Junglin at the time, and we ended up in Malta at a kid uh, Skier 5. This is when WCOOP one day events. And we're playing, and we have a flight the next day to go to London for EBT London um, or World Series Europe. I forget which, whatever it was, it was one of the events because they were back-to-back -back that year. And uh, so we're going to there, and I play the, was it 100 PLO rebuy or something? A 300 PLO rebuy? I think 300 PLO rebuy. And the tournament goes on for 20 hours. Um, obviously, I miss my flight. I'm, as the time's going on, I'm so exhausted. because We started well before that tournament, my session. I've been playing 28 hours. So I light up a hookah to wake me up. And I sit in his jacuzzi on the balcony and watch the sunrise in Malta while play, playing the final table. And I can barely see my computer screen. There's so I'm winting, putting my hands over my eyes like, oh, is that aces? Okay, pop. <laughs> I feel like stories like that don't really happen that much anymore with, you know, how seriously people take the game with how many resources they have open at the time, right? With people studying and solving. Where, where do you and your habits fit in now to the current strategies for learning and excelling at poker? Where do you fall into that sort of uh, mindset where everyone is these days with how seriously they take their studying? I'm the online version of Phil Hummuth. I don't believe in GTO. I don't believe that that's the best to make the most money in poker. I don't. I think it's a good way to study at times. I don't do it personally because for me to put in hundreds of hours of studying to increase my edge very narrowly for how little volume I play, it's not worth it to be with my family to study. So my game is getting worse year after year after year. It's never going to get better. I'm, I hit my peak a long time ago, and I've accepted that. And I've accepted I'm on the way out of poker, but you know, I still got a few good years left in me, I hope. I love the idea of you being the online Phil Helmuth. That is definitely a title that you should be using all the time. You should add it to your Twitter bio. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to misspell a few parts of it to make it real. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, misspelling things, Sean, I will say that your, um, your poker skill, obviously undeniable. When it comes to the written word, it seems like you struggle a little bit. If you are not a professional poker player, what is it do you th think that you would be doing with like the skill set that you do have? So I was going to be a stockbroker. Um, I was going to Bentley College when I got into poker, and I was just going to be a numbers guy, have an assistant to write all my emails. You know, that was going to be my thing. I still love the markets. I'm so intrigued by it. It's obviously the same skill set as poker. So I definitely would have just stayed in that, you know, finance, you know, realm and figured out a way to make some money. That is so funny because, you know, uh, we've gone over this before. Sean and I are more or less from the same hometown. And, Sean, I spent so much time at Bentley College when I was, uh, like, 19, 20 years old because I went to Boston U and all my friends 
from uh, Niskayuna, like five of them all went to Bentley. That's so crazy. We were probably there at the same time. Yeah. Um, well, off stream, you can tell me who they are. I'll see if I remember any of them. Did you ever participate we, in we the like beer Olympics? Uh, I did not. Uh, um, we did our own things like spring day. We had some ridiculous parties. Uh, my floor in Bentley was very legendary because uh, we were in Slade Hall and we're the only floor that was all guys on both sides, usually girls on one side, guys on the other. So in our first six months at school, we had seven RAs who got fired. We had <laughs> one RA on each side. So we went through seven in six months. At one point, they thought I was running a casino in my uh, unit because all they heard was the sound of chips. And, like, that was me playing online or, like, we play a home game, you know, once a week. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. You must have been there just a couple years after me. I think you're slightly younger than me because I also spent a ton of time in Slade Hall. James, they used to have this rule where you could legally have uh, alcohol parties, but you had to register the alcohol and you had to have food was like part of the rules and so the guys that i would hang out with would make something called drano sandwiches which is they would buy a loaf of bread and pour drano on them and then have them on display when the ras would come and say look we have food this is how wild this place was wow that seems utterly <laughs> utterly ridiculous um before we get on to more wild stuff, Sean, I wanted to go back to the old days of WCOOP. You were talking there about playing a 20-hour day. Obviously, we've kind of moved things on a little bit from then. Now events tend to play over two or, in some cases, three days. This year, we've even built in a rest day for players as well. I guess things have improved as the years have gone on to a certain degree. Yeah, you know, they've, they've done a great job of recognizing what was brutal to poker players. I mean, think about it. I would do those 20-hour sessions, sleep for an hour, wake up, and play the next tournament. Yeah. Or, you know, I remember one one event, uh, the Heads Up one, I was in London or something, and I would go to sleep. I actually had swine flu at the time, and my girlfriend at the time would wake me up when my match started. I'd play my match and go back to sleep. Like, <laughs> that was the only time I could actually get to sleep during the series was in between the heads-up rounds. So I would play my matches as quickly as possible instead because if I win, I get to go to sleep. If I lose, I get actual sleep. So uh, I was doing, like, 30-minute power naps. And, you know, WCube used to have that 15-minute break, the long gap, before they had two days. Oh, yeah. And at least one person of every table would fall asleep during that. So you would sit there and set your alarm and do a 15-minute power nap. And some people wouldn't wake up. And that was the advantage of grinding with someone else because then you had, like, three people who were all on the same sleep schedule. It's like, all right, you wake me up, like, if I don't get up. And they're like, you're timing out, Sean. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, man. Yeah, there were some, there were some brutal times in the, I mean, the early online poker days. But, uh, you know, we're here. There's been some improvement. There's still a long way to go. Of course. And, uh People don't realize how far we've came and how hard the staff side of the scheduling, the, you know, the structures, and just how many hours go into that when we just sit there, click register, and we're out in one hand. I'm like, all right, that was fun. <laughs> Do you think that the reason that happened is that there was just no expectation that the events would have the fields they have? It, it Was it a, a product, I guess, of online poker growing so quickly and the boom hitting during that era? I think it was an issue of the people at Stars who were, you know, Lee Jones and that crowd, the early, you know, employees, they love poker so much they wanted to give a good structure. I don't even know if the software was capable of doing two-day tournaments or phases at that point. Yeah. So all they were like, hey, it's WCOOP, this is a prestigious event, and, like, we're going to give them lots of play. Like, we're going to have two hours of late reg, but the blinds are going to be super slow, 20-minute levels, and I think they that was 
was never accounted for, realizing we could have done 18-minute levels, finished three hours earlier, and then people actually had a four-hour window to go to sleep before the next event. Yeah. You couldn't be up for four days straight. I tried, and it was miserable. Okay, so I said we want to talk about some wild stuff. I know you saw something on Sean's social media account, Joe, that you want to talk to him about. I just wanted to highlight something, and it's from some time ago now, and it's something that, that Ashley tweeted, Sean, and it was basically the text conversation about ordering coffees for you and your friends. And I'm just looking at it, and of course, it has that hilarious kind of Deeb-esque lack of any form of punctuation or any form of, of, of kind of logic or sense. And I just thought, my God, she is a patient woman. You know, Ashley, to deal with me is a special person, but also for me to deal with Ashley is a special person. Like, we, you know, everyone, I was talking to Playa Del Carmen, they can see how happy our marriage is. And she can handle my shit talking. I can handle her shit talking. And our relationship is so unique for anyone who spends a quality time with us. And they realize that no one else could get away with saying the stuff that I say to my wife. My wife can say things to me. Our threshold of verbal pain from each other, you know, unattainable. So uh, it's been a very healthy relationship in that regard. Our communication's on point, and uh, yeah, we just have a great time. The story about the keys is probably an all-time great. We won't get into that, but if you guys want to dig back into Sean's Twitter, that was a pretty good one about uh, about you getting locked out. But what I wanted to ask you about, Sean, and God bless you, man. I give you a lot of credit to put your. What in the world possessed <laughs> you to grease yourself up? and slide across the kitchen floor. Was okay. that your kitchen, your so, living room? That, that was our kitchen. Uh, kitchen, dining room. So uh, I had, because uh, of quarantine, we have uh, our old roommates from Philly, a uh, friend of mine who used to work in Vegas at Aria. His wife and his kids are like uh, 12 and 17. And they happened to come over like because they've been road tripping to get out of Florida because COVID was bad. And I like convinced them to lock down early on. And, and, you know, so they came and stayed with us. We have, you know, an in-law apartment. Uh, you know, the kids were sleeping on couches downstairs. And so we're, we're like, we're always had a prank war, me and him, like over the years. And I was like, we're going to do a prank war. He said, okay. And so I do something where I go outside the house and they lock me out of my own house. So they're like go, scrambling around to all the doors to the house to lock me out. So I'm like, I'm going to get them. So I go into the garage and I get this, uh, you know, giant, like one gallon thing of bubbles that my kids have. And I go and he's in the living room and like, I go like I'm a port on his head and he knows I'm probably gonna do it. So he just grabs a bottle and squeezes it. So bubbles go everywhere. And all of a sudden we're like slipping and sliding. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is fun. And we're like sliding. I'm like, I got an idea. Like what? So I call my brother. Um, my brother's also crazy prank war. And uh, a few years earlier, he had done this big slip and slide kickball. And I go, Hey, Bill, what solution did you use to make uh, the slip and slide slippery as possible? And he goes, dish soap and water. I said, okay, because we're going to use the bubbles. And I'm like, no, no, no. My brother says we're using this. So they're like, that's not, I'm like, trust me. He's he's experimented. He knows what's best. So we then take, you know, a whole thing of dish soap, pour a gallon of water on our, you know, our floors. And now during this whole time, Ashley's asleep taking a nap, first nap she's had in like two weeks. So she's dead to the world, sound machine, uh, right above where we're doing this, by the way. So then we decide to just do the slip and slide. And uh, the father was way better than me. I have some great videos. Like he got all the way to my fridge. He went about 40 feet <laughs> on his slide. Like we removed the, you see the, the Yogi Bo divider and he went a good 10 feet back there. The only reason he stopped is because we had no soap where he was going. So slip and slide with the kids and us for like probably an hour. And it was a blast. And uh, then I got the fun thing to wake up when I actually woke up a few hours later 
and we cleaned up and she came downstairs and didn't even notice what we did. So then I show her the video while I'm just sitting there giggling and I show her video after video. She's like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> Those floors are so expensive. They're probably ruined. I was like, I think they're clean. You know, we spent a lot of time. It's just water. She's like, if these floors get ruined, I was like, Ashley, you've hated these floors since you installed them. So if they get ruined and we replace them, no big deal. We got some fun out of it and it worked out great. And I can't wait to do it again. I got to say, man, it is kind of envious to see you just have such a joy for life and not really care about the consequences and act like a big kid. That is pretty cool. I assume your wife was probably suspicious when she came downstairs and saw that things were clean, but maybe not. <laughs> no, because the, the people staying with us are like very good at cleaning. So because they were there, if it was just me, she would have known something was up. But because they were there and she was asleep for so long, like she, you know, it was there was no I can't believe she couldn't smell anything like that's I would have expected the, you know, the dish up to have some type of stench after being there. But it really I think the floors were done really well. We got them installed properly. They were sealed. And so far, no damage yet to the house. We'll see in a few months. Well, we have, we enjoy the video. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sean. It's tradition on the show that uh, when you're on, you got to play one of my stupid games. But I think that one thing that would help us all out when ha understanding Sean Debus, we could somehow. James already brought this up. If we can somehow get you to use a little bit more punctuation, uh, and so what I've done here is I've created a refresher course on for uh, what punctuation goes where. This game is called "Do You Feel Lucky, Punk." situation and it's just just a quick little <laughs> quiz to help you out and in some ways that we could all help to understand sean deeb a little bit more question number one these are all multiple choice by the way so you can get lucky even with the punk situation here we go uh question number one the penultimate comma used to delineate between items in a list usually ending with the word and is otherwise known as the Harvard comma, the Oxford comma, the Yale comma. I've Oxford comma. I've heard that. Oxford that comma is correct. We also would have accepted the Harvard comma. It goes by both things. Uh, final choice, of course, was the comma really? chameleon. Never heard Harvard comma. Sean did not need all I'm sorry, the choices. I cut off your, your joke. No, the, yeah. that's all right, buddy. No, it's totally fine. Question number two. While we're at it, what does the word penultimate mean? Does it mean the last thing, the second to last thing, the third to last thing, or the best pen for writing correct grammar? The first one? Are you saying the first choice? The last? I've worded this question as confusingly as possible. <laughs> Am I wrong? The second to last thing is what pen penultimate means. Okay. Question number three. Which piece how of does punctuation... That have to deal with, wait, how does that have to do with punctuation? It doesn't. It was just part of the That's last question. That's vocabulary. You, you lied. You said what was on the test. I will, okay, I will eliminate that question. Left. You're absolutely right. <laughs> question is, number three. This is classic <laughs> poker player trying to get the best of it, you realize. This is Sean absolutely maximi maximizing EV here over Sean Deeb. Not once, ever. Question number three. Which piece of punctuation was originally represented by the letters I-O, which eventually became written with the I above the O? Was it the exclamation point, the question mark, the percentage symbol, or the ice cream cone emoji? 
Um, I was assuming it was going to be question mark. So I guess I'll go exclamation point. For exclamation visuals. point is correct. I.O. is Latin for joy. And eventually became abbreviated as the I above the O, which became the exclamation point. Well done. You're two for two because we threw out question number two. <laughs> question number four. This piece of punctuation is known in the Netherlands as a monkey's tail, in Israel as a strudel, in Russia as a little dog, and in Italy as a small snail. Is it the exclamation mark, the question mark, the at symbol, or that thing where you put the question mark and the exclamation point together? <laughs> uh, I will go with the question mark. Oh, we were looking for at symbol. It's the at symbol is known as a oh. small snail in Italy, little dog in Russia. Speaking How happy of, were you doing your research to come up with all these things in all these languages? Or did the poker, poker star staff help you? Like, this is what we call it in Russia. Dude, this is why I get paid the medium bucks doing this research. <laughs> question number five. Speaking of, what is the name of the question mark and the exclamation point together? Is it the interrobang, the exclamation mark, the questionation point, or the inquiregasm? <laughs> um, I'm glad there's only one that sounds believable. The first one, because I was definitely in trouble if uh, there was anything close to reasonable there. Interrobang is correct. So I think you're, what, three for four now. Well done so far. Two questions to go. Which of the following pieces of punctuation was actually originally in the alphabet? Ooh. Is it the at symbol, the apostrophe, the M dash, or the ampersand? What's an ampersand? Ampersand, ampersand is, the, is the, like the and symbol that looks like a... Like a like a handicapped guy in a wheelchair. It's the thing okay, above so, uh, number okay, seven like, on your like, keyboard. Looks like the musical symbol. Yes. Uh, not on my keyboard. I will go with ampersand. Ampersand is correct. Fun piece of trivia here. Since it didn't have a name, children would sing Z and per se and, which eventually slurred together to become ampersand. That is a hashtag fun fact. Final question. Possibly the toughest question. The symbol formerly known as the pound sign is now known as the hashtag. But what was it called before it was known as either of those two things? Was it the petogram, the Senecta square, the tallywoggle, or the octothorpe? I would like to point out, by the way, that it was never the pound sign in my country. The pound sign is something very different and has much more value. Oh, you're right. Uh, not after Brexit. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Way to bring down the mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. Tallywag, whatever the third selection was. <laughs> Tallywoggle was a name I made up completely. In fact, I made up all of them except for the correct answer, which was Octothorpe. I have no idea, no fun story behind it. Sean Deeb, you did officially pass the quiz, even without throwing out 
question number two. Well done, dude. It's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you're an absolute W Coop legend, and I really look forward. To, I, I hope that we are celebrating you winning lots of W Coop titles this year, my friend. It's just great to see, you know, a site understand that all poker games matter. And uh, that's why I love giving PoStars so much of my action and play is because they still respect that poker is not, you know, a two-card and a four-card game only. Well, good luck in the series, Sean. We hope to see you at many a final table. Thanks, guys. Superfan versus Stakes. Very pleased to welcome to this week's edition of Poker in the Ears, Dr. Sam Williams. Hello, Sam. Hey, James. Hey, Joe. What's up, Sam? Hey, dude. Uh, first of all, uh, pretty cool that you're a doctor. Pretty cool you're on the front lines. And pretty cool that not only are you a heroic doctor, but you do it in the UK where the only goal isn't to get rich. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm no different to any other doctor in the, in the NHS, but, you know, it's what I chose to do. Yeah, and Sam, you first got in touch with us back in March, which I imagine was a pretty tough month working on the front line in the health service. Yeah, it was really, uh, yeah, March and April were pretty hectic. But, you know, the the thing which got me, you know, because I'm not, I'm not that active on Twitter. And then when I, I decided to get in touch because basically our days got stretched to sort of 12 hours all the time. And then... Um, I just drove home one night and then that I think you were, I can't remember exactly what you were streaming at the time. But I just <laughs> thought, oh, you know what? That was so it was so relaxing to have you have you on in the car on the way back. And I just thought, you know what? I better just give them a little message because it was just so uh, it was so just reassuring to have you in my ears on the on the way home. And then when I just got home, I just thought, oh, you know what? That's the perfect antidote to a pretty stressful time. I am happy that that provided you with a little bit of comfort but on the one hand you're kind of also saying like you are so boring <laughs> i couldn't possibly help but unwind <laughs> you're the complete antithesis of the excitement of my day well I, I i took it a different way um and 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 very much have no idea what we were streaming back then i guarantee you joe doesn't remember but no, okay. also i think we can sympathize with your position because, Joe, sometimes we have final tables that go for 12 hours. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, calling long heads up battles is probably a race against saving lives. It's really close. Yeah, yeah. pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Sam, have things calmed down for you at all? Like, are things a little bit more chill now? What's the current status? Yeah, so I've actually um, changed jobs. So I was I was working in intensive care at another hospital. And since then, I've, in August is when a lot of doctors actually changed jobs. So, um I've actually moved hospitals to a different department and I'm actually no longer in intensive care, but towards the end of my time in intensive care, it certainly was getting uh, sort of more towards uh, normal and sort of towards pre pandemic busyness. But, um, and yeah, so I've, I've moved jobs now and, and thankfully things are certainly going towards a more, let's say conventional style of care. When you say that uh, most a lot of doctors change jobs in August, does everyone just put like different doctor jobs in a hat and you just draw new ones? How does that work? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a surgeon this year. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Um, as well as enjoying poker content or at the very least consuming poker content, do you get the chance to play much poker, Sam? Yeah. So I play probably more than is healthy to online and <laughs> Um, Pre-pandemic, I was um, I was playing live probably once or twice a week in and around Bristol, which is where, which is where I live. 
and um and yeah so since everything's gone online i've uh, i've sort of been playing just primarily online and it's yeah it's, it's been one of the few things i think through the pandemic which has stayed pretty much constant is that everyone's still been able to play yeah. online which i think yeah. has been a real outlet for for the community in general really well we're going to give you the chance to win a 109 dollars sunday million ticket and of course the much coveted poker in the ears t-shirt you have a choice of four different designs Woo! Uh, your specialist subject is the movie good will hunting um a film which i think you said joe that you know pretty well also I saw the movie Goodwill Hunting. Here's the good news, or maybe bad news for you, Sam. I saw the movie Goodwill Hunting four times in the theater uh, when it was on its original run. I love this movie so much. I loved it so much that uh, a couple of my friends, you're a young man, you probably didn't ever experience this, but it used to be that when you would go to the cinema, that the movie uh, outside the theater would be displayed in like a light box. There'd be like a like a plastic sort of thing that would display what movie it was. My friend stole that for me uh, out of the light box. Wow. And I have it from wow. the original run. That's the good slash bad news. The flip side is that I don't think I've actually seen this movie in its entirety in like a decade. So I like your chances here. Although okay. things I saw during that era, era tend to stick in my mind a little bit better than things I saw like maybe a year ago. Let's see how this pans out. Sam, have you done your homework? Have you revisited the film in recent days or weeks? Yeah, so I watched it. I um, I watched it again like the start of the month and then I did a bit of revision earlier in the week. So Good for you. Feeling, feeling primed. Good for you. In that case, you should have no problem with the first round, which is called Who Plays? Uh, there are four questions, one, two, three, and four, and the number of points you can win is based on on the number of the questions. So one is super easy, two is okay, three is a little bit harder, four is the hardest. So you can get four points off the bat or you can play it safe and just get one point or go somewhere in the middle. I give you the first choice, one, two, three, or four. Let's go for three. Okay, oh. who plays Morgan? Ah, oh, Morgan. Is that Casey Affleck? It is Casey Affleck for three points. Joe, you can have one, two, or four. The number of points on offer relates to the question number. I got to go with... Now, are, do steals count in this round? Yeah, why not? All right, so I'm going to go with two then. Okay. Who plays Lambo? Professor Lambo. That is Stellan Skarsgård. It is for two points. Okay. Interesting decision for you here, Sam. You can take the easy win and get one point. Or gamble and go for the four points for question four. Do you want to gamble? Yes, I want to gamble. Okay, question four. Who plays Billy? Oh. No idea. Couldn't, couldn't answer. Okay, so as we defined the rules all of 30 seconds ago, Joe, you can <laughs> steal if you know who plays the character of Billy. I think Billy is Cole Hauser. It is Cole Hauser, and that will see Joe get a bonus four points, going up to six points. Uh, and you get the final question, Joe, which is an easy win. Who plays Skyler? Mini Driver. So you have a 7-3 lead going into the second round. This has which never is, happened before. Which is complete the quotation. And these are all worth equal points. Two points if you nail it 100%. One point if you're in the right ballpark. Um, so basically, Sam, just give me a question. One through four. Uh, two. Question number two. 
Complete the quotation. You're just a kid. Oh, do we get choices? No. <laughs> Not until the third and final round. You're just a kid. Oh, it's, uh, oh, it's when he's on the park bench. You're just a kid. You, you, something like you haven't got a, you haven't got a clue what real love is. I'm going to give you one point because you were in the right ballpark. The exact quote is, you don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. Uh, Joe, one, three or four? One, please. Well, I got her number. How do you like them apples? Four, two points. Nailed it. Three or four, Sam? Uh, three. Look, if you're going to jerk off... <laughs> do it at home with a moist towel. For two points. And Joe, you get question four. The girl you've met, she's not perfect either, but the question is... Is she perfect for you? I'm going to give you one point. Whether or not you're perfect for each other. So, you have a four-point lead going into the third and final round. It's ten to Joe, six to Sam. There are six trivia questions. Uh, there are... Most have bonus questions attached. So, Sam, one through six. There's n oh, I can't say it's only coming seven. I know. I'll go, I'll, go, uh, <laughs> I'll go two. Question number two. How many big brothers does Will claim to have? Twelve big brothers. For two full points. Multiple choice options are now available if you want to go down to one point with these questions. Joe, you can have anything but two. I'm going to struggle with this one, I think. Uh, this is where my memory is going to fade. Uh, question, I'll just go with question number six. Question number six. What type of car does Will get for his birthday? Uh, an unleaded car. Would you like the options? Runs on gasoline. Yeah, I'll take the options. Is it a Ford Mustang, a Chevrolet Nova, a Dodge Challenger, or a VW Beetle? A Beetle. It is a Chevrolet Nova, and because you got oh, your no. main question wrong, the bonus goes across to Sam. Which birthday is Will celebrating? Oh, 21. Correct, for the bonus point. So now you have a one-point lead, Joe. It is Sam's question, one, three, four, or five? Uh, let's go one. Where do Will and Skylar first meet? Uh, in a bar. Correct, for two points. And there's a bonus question. Which college is Skylar attending? Harvard. For the bonus points. So now you have a two-point lead. Joe, it's your question, three, four, or five? Three, please. What food does Morgan order after the Little League game? A burger. Correct. For two points. Tied game. <gasps> Isn't it exciting? Four or five. Both have bonuses attached. There's an equal number of points on offer to both players. Okay. Sam, are you going to go odd or even? Let's go six. Uh, it's four five. or five. So oh, I take you'd like four? <laughs> yeah, let's go four. Let's go yeah. four. Sean says he met his wife by giving up his ticket to which 1975 sporting competition? Game six of the World Series. Well, I'm going to give you all three points because the bonus question Shit. is which game was it? The main question was just <laughs> World Series. But yes, you nailed it. So, Joe, you know what you need to do. You will need to get the main question right without the options 
and the bonus question right to tie the game and take us to the all-important tiebreaker round. Are you ready? All right. I am ready. Where in California is Skylar going to college? Berkeley. Is that your final answer? Well, I'll let you say that. Stanford. Is that your final answer? Oh, shit. I didn't get it. Whatever. I, I have to go with Berkeley. I have to go with Berkeley. That's it was what Stanford. I said. So unlucky, Joe. That means you lose the game. Uh, just out of interest, would you have got the bonus? What was she going to study there? Economics. No, medicine. So you would have lost anyway. It doesn't matter whether you lost that flip or not. It was close, though, and you clearly do know this movie, Joe, but congratulations, Sam. 15 points to 12. You have won this battle of Superfan versus Stapes, and that means you will be receiving a $109 Sunday Million ticket, and we'll be in touch to talk to you about T-shirt options and sizes. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. I thought I was going to go into that infamous club of people who, uh, <laughs> who've lost to Joe. All but, three uh, people. <laughs> uh, hey, make sure you let us know how you do in the Sunday million. All right. Yeah, certainly will do. Cheers guys. Okay, buddy. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show coming up on next week's show. No show next week. You're going to hear us all the live long day. Yep. What about Saturdays, you ask? Saturday is our day off before I can cover the Sunday slam. Uncle Daddy needs a little of the old Saturday slam. Capiche? Oh, that is a visual image I did not need in my head. Stop it. That's on you. But the week after that, it's going to be about the W Coop, I assume. Yes. Although, although... I could start bitching and moaning about how I've lost 20 of my last 25 all-ins playing heads up against Josh Molina. That, you fucker. That fuck. Yeah, I'm going to say now that we are going to talk about W Coop and, and, <laughs> and not go into how bad you run in home games. Uh, yeah, so in two weeks' time, we'll have an update on where we're at in W Coop 2020. If you would like to appear on this podcast as a super fan, just as Dr. Sam did this week. We need you to apply with your specialist subject of choice. Uh, thank you for those of you who got in touch in the last seven days. Felix, you're on the list. Preston, The Sopranos is a great Ooh. suggestion. Please contact us on Twitter. Please use the hashtag poker in the ears. Watch the W Coop. We're back in two weeks. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>